This is the Truth Network. Coming to you from an entrenched barricade deep in the heart of Central North Carolina. Masculine Journey After Hours. A time to go deeper and be more transparent on the topic covered on this week's broadcast. So sit back and join us on this adventure. The Masculine Journey After Hours starts here now. Welcome to Masculine Journey After Hours. We're going to continue to talk about the uh, topic of blame. I want to begin with a little bit of a recap. And so, Robbie, can you help a little bit with this whole journey? What's some of the, the aspects we talked about in the first show on blame that we'd want to let listeners know right now if they didn't listen to the first part? It's Darren's fault. It is Darren's I mean, fault. Yeah. It, Darren rages. <laughs> <laughs> we just call him Rager. We don't even call him Darren anymore. <laughs> He's the High Plains Ranger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably more what you wanted was, you know, we've done a show on shame. And so what's the difference between shame and blame? And, you know, shame is, you know, from what Darren described, I think quite well, is that trying to get somebody's behavior to change by not only blaming them, but giving them something to feel bad about and, and trying to lay guilt on them in order to drive some particular behavior to make something better. Blame is where we simply shift our attention from ourselves and th- something that God is probably trying to get our attention for us to deal with internally and to, and to, and to work on with him as part of the adventure over to, you know, blaming someone but interestingly as we talked about in that last clip sometimes we even put the blame on ourselves, which is a really fascinating little study right there when you think about it is if i blame myself and yet i'm doing that in order to take away the attention from the real situation where god is trying to get my attention about something you know that's a fascinating little story and so the you know the, the beggar vance clip speaks to that um, and so I guess you want me to play that. Well, <laughs> no, it, we could play the Bagger Vance clip. If you haven't seen the movie Bagger Vance, you want to help them kind of understand what they're going to listen to. Sure, sure. Well, we've used this clip. This is so much more powerful at a boot camp. I can just tell you because you can see it, and and we're just having to use a short bit of it rather than the four or five minutes that we normally use. But essentially, Juna, who is a golfer, the movie may be, you may think it's about golf, but it's it's really the story of life on a huge level. Juna was in World War One, and he was in Savannah, where in those days, you went to war with all your buddies. And so all the people that were in his company were, were with him in a battle. And unfortunately, he was the only one that lived. So there was nobody else to blame but Juna. And, and so... He, rather than get comfort from God and going in and working through those issues, blamed himself and quit playing golf, which he was a wonderful golf player, amazing, before the war. So in comes this Holy Spirit character that we call Bag of Vance. And he is going to help Juna begin to get his swing back, which is really to come back into his glory, into, into the way that he was supposed to be playing with God all along in order to do that. He's got to walk through him. He's got to walk him into this situation where he's hit this horrible shot and now he's faced with that situation again and only this time the, the Holy Spirit slash Jesus character is going to walk with him through it. 
you got a choice. You can stop, or you can stop. Start? Walking. Where? Right back to where you always been, and then stand there. Still. Real still. And remember. It's too long ago. Oh no, sir, it was just a moment ago. Time for you to come on out the shadows, Juna. Time for you to choose. I can't. Yes, you can. But you ain't alone. I'm right here with you. I've been here all along. Play the game. Your game. The one that only you was meant to play. One that was given to you when you come into this world. Blame will always keep us from finding healing and restoration. We can't focus our intention on that and focus our intention on what God's trying to do in our life. Yeah, I had not really intended to share this. I've shared it on the air before, but you know, when I was working through some of the stuff with uh, Kim Whitehurst, a great counselor here in the Winston-Salem area, on the uh, molestation stuff that I dealt with as a kid, I didn't really have a, a problem. Initially, I had a problem forgiving the person that did it, but the hardest person that I kept blaming in the whole situation was myself because I kept feeling like I should have known better. And that was the hardest one to get past. And until I could move past that blame, wow, I could not step into any real healing because I had to let it go. I had to say, no, okay, no, I was just a little kid. And all the reasoning that my friends around the table here would, would give me during mm -hmm. that time, you know, God had to step in and really help me let go of that. And then on the backside of that, I could get healing and restoration. But as long as I kept living in that self-blame, like Juno was doing here, you can't rise above it. You get stuck and you just get pulled down from it. Yeah, it. you know, you and I talked about that because our stories were very similar. And, yeah. and, you know, we knew each other for, gosh, you know, maybe just a, a month or two before mm -hmm. we actually kind of opened up and talked about that. And, uh, but then we shared more and more and deeper and deeper over the years and, and prayed about it together and, and you for me, me for you on different occasions. And, and it is funny to me, uh, not funny, it, it's uncanny that in Genesis 3, the very first time that we see the result of sin shame is right there at it right in genesis 3 9 when god comes walking in the garden looking for adam he knows where adam's at right i mean he knows but he says adam you know where are you why why did you hide and adam immediately goes to shame when he says well i saw that i was naked so i hid I was afraid. I had to cover myself. I, 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 I didn't know. 
I don't understand the the emotion. I don't like the emotion. The emotion scares me, but but I I'm ashamed of myself. I'm naked. And so I had to hide. And so that's what we do. We feel ashamed of something that's happened to us or something that we've done. And and Satan is so good at taking something like that, something that happens to you. And you, at some level as an adult, you, you know, or even as a young man, you know, wait a minute, that wasn't my fault. That, that happened to me. I didn't, I didn't choose that. I would have never chosen that. And then later on in life, we do choose some sort of sin that's maybe close to that, relates to it, maybe, you know, sexual in nature, but different than that. And as soon as we commit that sin, Satan comes in and goes, see, I told you, it was you all along. You were the the one that was broken. You were the one that should be ashamed. You were the one that that caused this or brought it upon yourself. And so Satan uses what I call, and I I use it in a lot of counseling with people, is a this looks like that or this feels like that. And so we experience something in the here and now, and it reminds us of what we felt way back then. And then Satan slams the door. You know, you're locked in now. You feel that. You feel what it is to sin and to give in on your own. You, You did give permission to this so that must mean that you also gave permission to that way back there you just don't remember it mm-hmm. and satan is so good at using that shame and so when we're talking about blame and shifting blame to other people there are things that happen to us that are definite blameable things yes but jesus says in john chapter um 13 that one of the things that he wants us to do is to love one another as he has loved us. And so what we have to do is ask ourselves, what does that look like? What does it look like to be loved by Jesus? Well, he looks beyond our blamable behavior. He looks to our need, and then he supplies that need. So he looks beyond our blamable sin, our blamable behavior. He looks to our need. Our need is forgiveness. Our need is healing. And then he goes to work at supplying that healing and and that forgiveness well that's what he's asking us to do to each other is to look beyond robbie's blamable behavior that (laughs) you know that he's actually the one that produced the rage in me and to look beyond that and to look to robbie's need which is well it's just way too much to talk about here (laughs) there's Um, such a list there's such a list (laughs) (laughs) robbie's need is is to feel like he's being faithful you know, I mean, that's yeah. his name. His name is faithful. Yeah. And so he doesn't want to be pushed into a situation where he doesn't feel faithful. And so if I'm pushing on him in such a way that is causing him to come into conflict with that name, which God has given him, well, that's that's pretty rough stuff for Robbie. And so if we look at that and and say, OK, wait, wait, what's yeah, there, there might be some behavior that I don't like there, but what's his need? And and what what can I do to help supply that need? And that's what Robbie was talking about earlier with regard to facing that door of pain and being willing to pick door number one, even though it's it's painful um, and to and to move into that. In any way that the enemy takes the blame and it's always to drive us away from God. Right. And, And hopefully eventually get us to blame God. And so I want to kind of throw a question out to the group. This is the after hours. We can share 
tell about a time that you blamed someone else that God helped you work through it, that you blamed yourself that God helped you work through it, or maybe even blame God for some stuff that he helped you work through. And I know, again, that's not a topic that I've thrown out there for you to to say, you know, hey, let's let's work through this. You know, part of, you know, the whole thing I was talking about a minute ago with the molestation, yes, there was a blaming of a person that, that did some things to me, right? And so I had to work through that. There was a blaming of myself, and there was some level that I was blaming God. God, where were you when I was such a little boy? Why weren't you there to protect me? And again, I had a great Christian counselor that helped me work through that, that kept taking me to the feet of Jesus and helping me see he was right there with me, right? Weeping with me as those things were going on. And, and so, you know, the, the enemy tried all prongs on, on blame, which is often the way he, he works. And so now I've given you some time to think about, you know, your stories. Talk about a time, anyone here that wants to talk about a time where you've blamed uh, or uh, we'll just go from there. Talk about a time we've blamed ourselves or others or both. Uh, one of the things that hit me during that conversation is I have had such great friends, such great family, such great support throughout my life. The person I had to blame for almost everything in my life was me. And that became a mode that I was always in and my you guys think I have self-deprecation now you should have known me 20 years ago it was awful but that relieves you from the responsibility for the actions you if you're blaming and that is well and this isn't my story so I probably shouldn't share it but I will anyway because I still have a microphone uh, I had a wonderful encounter on the phone with a lady that called in yesterday to the church, and it was sort of a random call, but and she was crying and upset, and her husband had been just very emotionally abusive, had been beating her up, cussing her out, doing things that she said, you know, I don't deserve that, and I agreed with her, no, you don't. But we, in the course of about 20, 25 minutes on the phone, we came around to the point of her recognizing his wounds. And Robbie said it early in the program that hurting people hurt people. And it's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's very true. And her way out of that, and she was blaming him and she was blaming herself. She says, I've done something. I said, well... You know, the only person you can work on is you. And if you are talking to him in a loving way, it's going to be harder for him to jump all over you and cuss you out. And it is not a reflection of what's going on in your life or who you are based on his anger. That has probably very little to do with you. He's angry at something and you're the person he can take it out on. And you are also the person that can respond in a loving way. And that's what Jesus is getting at. You know, if you are love those that love you, big deal. You know, even the sinners do that. But if you can love the unlovable, you can go a long way. Well, I beat Harold. Harold's going to get it in a second. But, you know, I've talked about this story before, but I was 
putting it together, Sam, with yours and Darren's stories and going, oh, my goodness, I never saw what Jesus did, which gets back to, okay, you got an addiction to pornography. There's Robbie. And pretty clear who we need to blame here. <laughs> you know, nobody else has got the addiction. I mean, it's, it's clear that I was blaming myself. It really was. But after I, that night that you, you shared your story about your dad and all that stuff, and I knew, wow, I really feel Jesus wants to come after that. And as I faced the pain, right, and said, Jesus, come, support me, show me something, then all of a sudden he showed me where there was something that wasn't my fault, where I was actually, you know, duped into seeing, you know, this family member naked and all this that, that actually started. And, and he was like, take a look at, at, at what really took place and let's mourn your innocence together, you and me, Robbie. Your innocence been lost, but you can have it back. And, and, and I want you to have it. And I want you to live in that freedom. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. I hope somebody listening will hear that, wow, you may, be think, you may think that this horrible addiction that you have, this place where you keep going back, Jesus, haven't we had this discussion before? <laughs> you know, I'm back and we're talking about it again. You know, whatever that is, it's very likely that he can walk you into a place to show you how to mourn that and how to get back to a place where of forgiveness and a place of breaking the agreements th- that I'm a pervert or whatever the situation may be. Thank you, Robbie. <clears throat> it's definitely a hard place to step away, you know, because that blame feels so true, right? Because there's elements of truth to it, but realize that, that path is never going to lead to life. It's only going to lead to at least, at best case, some of the same behavior. At worst case, death. Right, and so it's it's not going to go in the direction you want it to go. Harold, you had something you wanted to share? Uh, well, I had problems with anger, mismanagement, hot temper. <laughs> I had road rage before they had a name for it, uh, et cetera. And I blamed it on my dad. Uh, my father had a problem with alcohol as I was a kid, and uh, it really affected me greatly, and so... All my bad behaviors were his fault. Uh, And then I realized as I got to be an older person that it really wasn't his fault that I was having bad behavior and just trying to blame it on him. Yeah, could have had something to do with it initially, but I didn't have to let it grow like it did. So, Dad, you're forgiven. Definitely the the blame thing is hard to break free from because it feels like it's justified. That's really part of the issue, that that whole blame thing feels like it's justified. Mm -hmm. Darren, when we were going through the imploding of the ministry we were doing together, Mm -hmm. you know, know, we both were really good at blaming one another for what was going on and, and Robbie on occasion. Yeah. Right? But that blaming, as we talked about on the other show, really didn't lead to anything but just more misery. Yeah, and separation. Right. Um, you know, as as long as you can blame the other person, then you can justify why you're not going to have anything to do with them, why you're going to isolate them and not allow them access to your heart anymore. And so we keep blaming, you know, the other in that way. Or 
it also works the same way when you're blaming yourself. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I, I blame myself and therefore I need to isolate myself so that I don't hurt other people. There's been a thousand and one movies made about that topic. Yeah. You know, um, where the man isolates himself and keeps himself away from everybody and, you know, becomes the ladies man or whatever, but never marries that sort of thing. Why? Because they're scared to death of intimacy. Why are they scared of intimacy? Because they know that they're broken and that there's something very blamable about their life, about their heart, about their nature. And so they don't want to, you know, stay in any long term relationship because that'll eventually come out and it'll eventually hurt somebody. And, you know, all you got to do is turn on Hallmark for about 13 seconds and you've got a movie about that. But that holds during that time, you know, my particular woundedness was that I'll step out in front. I'll take the risk. I'll get shot at. Um, and then others will come along and support for a while. And then they'll reject me. They'll abandon me. They'll get tired of my risky ways and they'll say, you know, it's just too hard. It's just too painful to be in a relationship with Darren. And so I'm going to move on. And, uh, and, you know, they'll try to do it nicely or whatever, but, you know, it's, it's still surgery. We'll call it a procedure, but it's <laughs> surgery. And so, you know, that living under that lie and that woundedness. So when that stuff started begin to happen, well, where's my enemy going to be talking? Well, Darren, doesn't this feel the same as it's always felt? Mm -hmm. Doesn't, you know, I mean, yet again, the, the people that you've been the closest to, that you've loved better than probably anybody you've ever loved, um, you know, in the way of not your wife or children, mm -hmm. um, these people are now rejecting you too. So where's the common denominator? And so it was pretty easy for me to begin to blame myself and say, okay, God, yeah, I probably do just need to dig a hole someplace and die. And the enemy knows our stories. You know, and he, looking back, you know, as we've had time to go through the uncomfortable lunches or the uncomfortable weekend we spent in Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, a woo. That, that was, was painful. One. Yeah, that was tough. Thank you, Mark and Dewey. Thank yeah, you, Mark and Dewey. But it was, it was part of the process. Yeah. Right? You had to go through all those painful times. When you look back, you can see that, man, he knew our story so well that he played each of us like a fiddle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he knew where to hit you, where it would feel just like it always had. He knew where it hit me. You know, you've trusted this person with things that you never even had told your wife, you know, and now they've rejected you in a way, mm -hmm. right? And and again, it goes back to abandonment issues with me, and he's just playing right against that. You know, what you felt, the rejection, playing right against that. You know, and that's where he would have loved to let it stay. Yeah, but that's not where it stayed. No, and, and God knows our stories even better. Yes. And knows that we need to have some of those interactions that aren't that comfortable. Mm-hmm. So that we can grow and get better from it. Yeah, we talk about disruption, dismantling, healing, and restoring. Well, that was a huge disruption, a huge dismantling of all three of us, especially, um, and a huge healing for all three of us. And now we're living in the restoration process of that. And that's a lot of fun. We we laugh, you know, like we've never laughed. And um we love hopefully like you know even deeper than we've loved in the past with each other and 
um, we're doing it in God's timing and and doing it as he leads, but it's still more of a blessing today than it was before. Yeah, and, and you spoke to it earlier that I am faithful. You know, that's what, that's what God made me to be. But what's fascinating is when the ox was in the ditch, I lost faith. <laughs> I, I mean, clearly, I, I really did. I was like, this is unfixable. You know, we prayed and we, we worked and we tried to stay and, and, and all those things happened. But I also look back on now where I am and going, oh, my goodness. Yes, he was at work. He was hard at work. And some things that that were really deep that had to be addressed in all three of us. Mm-hmm. And and three-way relationships are just bizarre if you've ever been in many of them. You know, and it's fascinating to me that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God is a three-way relationship. Mm-hmm. And But three-way relationships are dangerous things. You, you know what I'm saying, Sam? Yeah, but they kind of have it worked out. (laughs) (laughs) Their their communication is better than ours. It's better, you know, but I look at, (laughs) and I won't get into the details of it, but we had even just a couple weeks ago, Darren, you called me with what could have been a very uncomfortable call. Yeah. You know, and challenged me on some stuff that needed to be challenged. Mm -hmm. I know you'd already talked to Robbie. I don't think any of that would have been possible had the layers not been peeled back. Yeah, the layers had to be peeled back, and then there had to be a restoration time where it, we all felt safe with each other, where we all began to believe again. Sam has my best interest at heart. Robbie has my best interest at heart. And if I didn't believe that, then I wouldn't have been vulnerable enough to say, hey, guys, ouch, yeah, that kind of hurt. Um, please don't do that again. I would like it if you would handle my heart this way. And both of you handled it extremely graceful and and merciful. And uh, yeah, and and I believe that that was God and Satan both at the same time saying, not going to let you hide anything anymore, guys. There's no secrets. So you go after each other's heart and Satan wants that in the way of destruction. God's going to use it in redemption. Blame, 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 blame. It feels so good. Oh, yeah. It does. I can't say that it doesn't, but it's not going to lead you where you want to go. And it's not going to heal your heart. It's not going to lead you to hope and restoration and and true friendship with God, with others. It'll lead you away and it'll lead you to isolation. It'll lead you to the path of the enemy. That's all I can really say about it. Don't blame. Turn to God. Face the pain. Say, God... I know you got something here for me. Help me see it. Help me get past the anger and move towards it. In the meantime, go to masculinejourney.org. Register for the boot camp coming up July 16th through 19th. We'll talk to you next week.